Hello, Rio Town. My name is Dan. Um, it's a little weird to say, but I was on staff with the MSU venue. My last day was Tuesday. Um, see, I came to RIV uh, just about seven years ago um, from Grand Valley State University. Um, I became a Christian there and was doing college ministry, uh, but found a great opportunity to come to RIV. Um, and I just felt like the Lord was leading me back there. Um, so I feel like now is the time to go. Um, but I've loved being here. I've been blessed by so many of you. I've, I've grown so much. Um, and Rio Town really is a special place to me because last August, I was able to preach my first sermon here. Um, so I'll always remember this place fondly. Um, but today, what we're going to be looking at is uh, we're going through the Fruit of the Spirit series. Today, we're looking at kindness. And so I know like a lot of us, we have kind of an idea of what kindness is. We could probably bring together a good definition. Um, but a few of the definitions that I thought were helpful in giving us a perspective on what kindness is, is um, one, it's being firm and unwavering in love toward another person. It is a sincere desire for the well-being of others. It's love in action. It's the quality of being generous, considerate, and friendly. Now, as I was doing some research on kindness, um, one kind of theme popped out for me, and um, quite a few people view kindness as a weakness. But it is not a weakness. Some people um, I saw on the internet viewed kindness as something that shows uh, soft and emotionally fragile feelings. I read an article by a psychologist that argued that in, in our culture we struggle with kindness because as children we want our children to be strong and independent and grow up that way, um, taking care of your own needs. And so it's hard for us to receive kindness from others and to show kindness when we're focused on ourselves. But the thing is, kindness can show a great deal of emotional, mental, and spiritual strength. I was uh, really curious to you know, see what kind of stories I could find on the internet about kindness. Um, and I found a couple that showed kindness can look like the strength of losing your life. Or at least risking it. Uh, Desmond Doss, there's a movie about him, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. He was an army medic. He saved 75 men during battle, going to the front line and carrying the wounded back to safety. He was fired at. He even got hit a few times. Um, but he risked his life to show kindness. In Japan, there was a, a nuclear radiation spill that needed to be cleaned up. And uh, from what I read, it takes about 20 years for radiation to fully affect your body. Well, elderly Japanese men came forward and said, we will clean the spill up and protect the younger generation. Kindness can be simple and small, like we've heard of random acts of kindness or pay it forward. One story I read about was um, a group of people got together, collected funds to buy people's groceries. And one of the women they paid for, it was a single mom who was facing eviction. She could either pay rent or pay for her groceries. But these people paid for her groceries. She was able to stay where she lived. One last story I was reading about uh, a woman who went to a Chicago Bears football game in the winter in December, brutally cold, 
So she was all bundled up. Well, she left the game, and there was a woman on the street corner with a sign that said, in need of winter boots. This woman took off her boots, her jacket, her gloves, her hat, and gave it to this woman. So what I want to focus on is this belief that with our kindness, whether it be buying someone a cup of coffee or risking our life, we can change the world. Jesus started to change the world with his kindness, and that kindness led to a message of salvation. Now we're invited to live like him and continue to change the world by sharing the message of salvation. Imagine the testimony we could have if when people ask us uh, inevitably about our kindness, if our response was, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Can I tell you about him? How would the world's view of Christians change if we continually practice kindness and followed it up with that humble answer? See, kindness will open doors for us to proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel, and that will change the world. And kindness will open up doors for us to do that. So I want to dive into scripture. Um, Hopefully we are both encouraged and challenged um, by the words and works of Jesus. Um, But let me pray first. Heavenly Father, please encourage and challenge us with scripture through your Holy Spirit. May we live more like Jesus as we see his example of kindness. May we see the world change to the salvation message that can accompany our kindness. Amen. So first, um, I want to highlight the scripture we're uh, using for this series, and that is Galatians 5. And we're going to be in verse uh, 22 through 26. So you can flip or tap your way there. Uh, The verses will also be on the screen. But in 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become convicted, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, um, if you're familiar with spiritual gifts, we need to understand that spiritual gifts and fruit of the Spirit are different. Spiritual gifts, each believer has um, at least one, and they're all different with different people in the church. They're used to build up the body. Right? One person may have the gift of serving, but not teaching. One may have the gift of teaching, but not giving. One may have the gift of giving, but not serving. Now note that just because you don't have the gift of serving doesn't mean you're not called to serve. Maybe you don't have the gift of evangelism, but you're still called to share the gospel. The way I look at it is the spiritual gifts are just an extra amount above and beyond what we would consider normal for someone to have. But here, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it's singular. It's not like one person has joy but lacking peace, or another patience but lacking kindness, or another gentleness lacking self-control. The whole listing of fruit listed here will be present every believer's life. 
So spiritual gifts, every believer has at least one, and they are different among different people. Fruit of the Spirit, every believer has them, but they will show themselves differently. Just because we have the fruit of the Spirit to produce doesn't mean we do it perfectly. We aren't perfectly going to show this fruit 24-7. And, you know, I didn't say this in the, uh, in the opening, but when I do a sermon, I am preaching much to, uh, as much to myself as I am to you, if not more. So I'm constantly thinking about these things. And I can tell you that I don't often show the fruit of patience while driving, especially on Cedar Street. If you guys have driven down Cedar, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I can tell you that I don't show self-control in how I respond in social media posts, especially those I don't agree with. So maybe some of you are in the same boat with me. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not something that we get or develop or produce by working really hard. Right? That's different than what our culture tells us. Our culture says if you want something, you have to work really hard for it. And if you work really hard you'll get whatever it is you're after. But for the fruit of the Spirit, it's birthed out of abiding in Jesus. John 15, 4 through 5 says this. Jesus says, Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither um, can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. We need to be connected to Jesus as a branch is connected to a vine in order for us to produce fruit. Now I just mentioned that we can't produce this fruit perfectly 24-7, but the hope of the gospel is that through our abiding, the Holy Spirit will help us produce more fruit each and every day. We will have more joy yesterday than the day before. We will be more kind today than we were yesterday. We will show more self-control tomorrow than we had today. In Galatians 5:24, Paul mentions that we have been crucified with the flesh. And that's referencing the section prior to him talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, See, Paul is listing the fleshly desires and how those things um, produce out of us. Things like jealousy and drunkenness. Um, See, our flesh and the Holy Spirit, they're at odds. They're conflicting in us. Each and every moment of the day, we have a choice to make. Do we take a step led by our flesh? Or do we take a step led by the Holy Spirit? Jesus, in every moment of his life, took a step led by the Holy Spirit. He is the key example through his actions and words that we have to look at to know what we should be doing. I picked out three examples of kindness that Jesus showed to different types of people, so we'll go through each of those. The first one is Jesus' kindness to the outcast. And that will be in Mark 8, 1 through 3. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, 
be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So with leprosy, um, we see it a few times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. And I at least thought it was just a skin disease, but it's more than that. It affects the nervous system and eventually deforms the body. And leprosy is very contagious. Therefore, people with it were shunned to live alone in isolation or live with other lepers. And people with leprosy, they were considered unclean and in the Jewish law, therefore unable to be touched. And yet we see here Jesus touched the man. Jesus did not see this man as the rest of the culture saw him. Jesus saw a human being sick and in need of help. Take away the healing that Jesus said to him, and just the interaction with him showed kindness. Jesus' response wasn't to distance himself and ignore the man. Jesus treated him with dignity, compassion, and respect, which every human being deserves because they are made in the image of God. That point could be a whole sermon in itself, so let me say it again. Every human being deserves dignity, compassion, and respect. No ifs or buts about it. Whether they voted for Trump or Biden, whether they are pro-choice or pro-life, whether they are a different skin color than you, whether they're a different gender, and that extends past male and female, whether they have a different sexuality, every human being deserves dignity, compassion, and respect. If that's all you get from this message, I am very content with that. This is important for us because how we view someone will determine the kind of compassion or kind of, the kind of kindness we show them. On my Twitter feed, so I use Twitter that shows you my age, older millennial. Um, on Twitter, um, I can tell you that Christians are not known for their kind words. Some Christians don't view certain people as image bearers of God, and it shows in what they say. Just as I scroll my Twitter feed, it's, uh, it's sad. Now, a somewhat modern-day example of um, kindness to the outcast um, was in 1987 at the height of the HIV and AIDS pandemic. Princess Diana went to shake the hands of the people with that disease. She did it without gloves. She would hug some of them. Her actions jump-started the end of the stigma of that disease. Her actions led people to, be, to begin treating those with HIV and AIDS with dignity, compassion, and respect. Fast forward to June 5, 2022. We have a lot of outcasts in our society. I thought of a short list, and it could have gone on um, a lot longer than what I have here, but we have young single mothers, addicts, those with mental illness, homeless, criminals, people in poverty, minorities, those in the LGBTQIA community. Are we extending kindness to the outcasts like Jesus modeled for us? I'll focus in and bring us back to the point that I said earlier. If we are kind to these types of people, the outcast, 
we will change the world. Why? Because it will lead to the message of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that leads to salvation. Every person, whether they know it or not, needs the gospel message. They need to be saved, and they can only be saved by hearing the gospel from you and I. The second um, story I want to focus on is Jesus' kindness to his enemy. And we're going to be in Luke twenty-two forty-seven through 51. While Jesus was still speaking, suddenly a mob came, and one of the twelve named Judas was leading them. He came near Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the high priest's servant, uh, servant and cut off his ear. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Now, this is a little difficult, so I'm talking about our kindness to our enemy. What I do want to say, and when I say that, I know some of you have an enemy of mine uh, that might have been an abuser. I am not speaking to that this morning. I am not qualified to be speaking on um, abuse in an enemy like that. Um, So what I am about to say um, is not in that scenario. But we find ourselves here um, the night before Jesus' death. And I think we can agree that a person or people that are planning to kill you would be considered an enemy. The enemies of Jesus were even led by a former disciple in Judas. And I'm sure some of us in the room, we have that friend or that family member that has become an enemy. Jesus had the same thing happen to him. And the disciples were ready to fight. They were ready to go. They had their hands on their daggers. They had their fists up. But the way of Jesus is of peace and surrender. Fast forward from this moment Um, In the future, the disciples who became apostles lived this way. All of them surrendered and were peaceful to their enemies to the point of death. They did not use violence to advance the gospel. When Jesus says no more of this, it's a condemnation on violence. I don't know how many of us here struggle with um, violent outbursts physically But I know for myself, maybe some of you, we can have those violent thoughts and feelings, maybe a verbal um, outlash. You know, in our heart, we are sometimes filled with rage and anger and the violence wants to come out. When someone does us wrong or tries to hurt us, we want to defend ourselves. But let's focus on Jesus and his actions. He denounces violence and then shows kindness to an enemy a soldier that is there to arrest him. And Jesus heals his ear. It's hard to show kindness to an enemy, but it's the way of Jesus. Here, Jesus is backing up his words with his actions because earlier in Luke, he tells a crowd to love your enemies, bless them, and pray for them. When I became a Christian, this teaching was one of the first things I heard and was convicted on. 
I had an enemy and um, I, I couldn't even pray for this person. I had to pray, God, help me pray for them. Eventually, I got to the place where I was praying for them. I was trying to do things to bless them and do good to them. All the while, I thought God would change this person and make my life better. But what God did is he changed my heart towards this person. And that's what God will do. He'll change our hearts towards our enemies. Just like showing kindness to his enemy, we can change the world by showing kindness to our enemies. I can only imagine that this soldier's heart was completely changed and ready for the gospel because of Jesus' actions towards him. The third story I want to highlight is Jesus being kind to those who are belittled. It will be John 8, 2 through 11. At dawn, Jesus went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left uh, one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? No one has condemned you. No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go from now and do not sin anymore. We still have this type of situation in 2022. A couple weekends ago, um, I glanced at a report. I couldn't read it all. Um, It hurt too much, but... There was an investigation about a Christian denomination that found massive cover-ups of powerful men who figuratively stoned mostly female survivors of abuse that were done to them by other powerful men. Now, I have a couple things I want to highlight, but I want to take a quick tangent here. Um, But a question I had is, where is the man at the moment who was involved in this uh, adultery as well? We see an example that's all too real. Those in power dismiss or hide the actions of someone, maybe one of their own, and look to punish the easier target. In a culture 2,000 years ago, women were not treated with dignity, compassion, and respect they deserve as image bearers of God. But Jesus' words and actions started a paradigm shift for women. Though we started this 2,000 years ago, we still have a lot to work to do to continue what he started when it comes to the treatment of women. Now, a different path from women, um, another, I would say, belittled um, group of people could be minorities. In the time of Jesus, the Jews detested the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. They took on pagan practices 
the Jews would even go out of their way to travel around Samaria. Have you taken an alternate route to avoid that part of town? Or chose not to go to an establishment because of who frequents there? In one of Jesus' most famous stories, the hero is a Samaritan. In the Good Samaritan story, the mixed-race pagan shows kindness to the man in need. The Samaritan shows the love that Jesus wants us to show. See, with that, kindness isn't something exclusive to Christianity. I know and have met so many genuinely kind people that do not follow Jesus. I literally had a friend, he doesn't follow Jesus, but he bought me a pair of winter boots years ago when I couldn't afford them. What I'm trying to say is that Christians, we need to pursue kindness with a purpose that will lead to open doors for us to proclaim the name of Jesus. We show kindness to have an opportunity to proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So back to the story. How did we get here where the Pharisees are looking to stone this woman? One, they're trying to put Jesus in a trap. If he encourages them to let her go, he's breaking the law. In Deuteronomy 22, God uh, commands those called in adultery to be put to death. See, that's God's view of of covenant of marriage. It's that high. Breaking that covenant equals death. See, consequences dramatically increase as the value of something increases when it gets broken or damaged. Second, if uh, Jesus calls for her to be stoned, he's nullifying everything he said about mercy and kindness. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is teaching and demonstrating kindness and mercy to people. So as we say, would Jesus put his money where his mouth is? And his words are powerful. Jesus says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. If we are honest, we should be reading ourselves into the story as the Pharisees and not the woman. If we are honest with ourselves, we have stones picked up ready to throw at a lot of different people. If we are honest, a lot of us have the feelings and reactions like the Pharisees to people who could be compared to this adulterous woman. But our feelings and actions should match up with how Jesus interacted with somebody like this woman. I am as guilty as anybody of having my feelings and actions not match up with Jesus. But what Jesus did is he freed this woman from shame embarrassment, and even death that would come from her sin. The power of the Pharisees was going to be used for death. The power of Jesus was used to save. We should use everything we have, power, wealth, influence, status, etc., to do the same. Jesus' kindness to the belittled woman led her to being saved. Our kindness to those belittled in our culture will lead to opportunities for them to be saved through the proclamation of the gospel. See, these three examples show the way of Jesus. 
The way of Jesus, the way to follow him here today is live a life marked by kindness, especially to the outcast, especially to our enemy, especially to the belittled. We stop casting them away from us. We put down our swords and fists. We put down our stones. We view and treat all, capital A, capital L, capital L, all people with dignity, compassion, and respect. If we start to do this, then we will be world changers. How? Kindness will allow us opportunities to proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the message of Jesus and that salvation will change the world. So leave here today and pursue kindness. And may our kindness out of love lead people into the kingdom of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, may we be world changers because we imitate Jesus and proclaim the gospel. Lord, help us to change um, and see change in ourselves and our friends and family and our community, even out to the rest of the world. Amen.